0: You have your Bibles, if you'll open up to the book of 1 Peter, that's where we're going to be this morning, 1 Peter chapter 4. We're doing our series, continuing our series called Alien Life, this idea of what it would be like to realize that we are aliens in this world. We encounter the truth, that there's a difference between us and the rest of this world. And i got to tell you, as I've been saying the last couple of times I've been up here that I really like this series mainly because I know a lot about aliens because I have watched quite a few alien movies in my lifetime and I gotta tell you the best alien movie that I ever watched was Independence Day. I know that's shocking. You're gonna be like what about War of the Worlds or Alien you know. Well Independence Day I guess that came out when I was in in college and so I remember that movie and it and it Impacted me, and if you don't remember kind of the storyline, here's here's how the way it unfolded. The aliens came to this Earth, and they placed ships above different monuments around the world, and um, they were preparing for what humanity either thought was an invasion or maybe they're just here to be friends. Um, and they didn't know. They didn't know what it was. But one of the characters, a, a humble cable repairman who happened to be Jeff Goldblum decided that he was going to look into the satellite feed. And as he's looking into it, he sees that there is a code. There's a code that's, that's um, there within the feed. And here's what it was. It was a countdown clock. The clock was counting down to something. Something was going to happen. And just to say, if an alien spaceship is over the White House and you see a countdown clock, it's probably not a good thing. So they began preparing for this countdown. Something is coming. And here's the thing is, it's a countdown to something really, really, really big. Okay, don't know what it is, but it's coming. You know, as I watch different alien movies, I see that idea of countdown over and over again, that there's something that they're building up towards, something that's happening. And when I read First Peter I see that same message as well. I see a message that there's a countdown that has begun. A countdown has begun. And if you're with me in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, I think we're going to see the countdown has begun. Read with me in verse 7. It says, The end of all things is at hand. The end of all things is at hand. Now, this matches very much what we've been talking about in the scripture. Monty last week talked about this in 1 Peter chapter 3, how that, that Peter had said, Look, we're at a zero point here. We're at a point where it's time to stop sinning. It's time to stop sinning because the judgment of God is coming. And so, as we kind of build up into this text, we want to see that message that. The end of all things is at hand, and here's what it is. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. Are you ready? Are you ready? Now, this is not a new message. In fact, this is a message that's been around for a while. Early Christians were very aware of the countdown to Christ's return. In fact, we get this sense as we read through the passages that people were kind of looking up in the clouds and just waiting because Jesus is coming soon. We don't know when, but he's coming soon. In fact, if you were to read through the the passages of Scripture in the Bible, you would see this is what they believed. John talked about this. Paul talked about this. James talked about this. They believed that Jesus was coming soon. I mean, as Jesus went up into heaven, as he ascended into the heavens, there's the sense of, man, he's going to be coming back pretty quick. We don't know when, but he's coming back soon. The thing is, life on earth can erode convictions in Christ's return. And i got to tell you, that's exactly how I feel sometimes. Sometimes, as I live out this life on earth... I begin to feel like maybe I've lost that that belief or conviction that Jesus is actually going to return soon. I can remember as a kid, as a child, I remember talking to my parents about the return of Jesus as if it was going to happen in my lifetime. Anybody else have that kind of experience where you thought, when you thought about your existence, that you actually thought Jesus was going to come back before you would ever die. I remember as a kid believing that. I was, I was convicted that Jesus was going to come back before I ever died. So much so did I believe that, that one time we were at camp, and while we are at camp, this kid in the bed, he was rocking the bed, his, you know, bunk bed, and it fell over, and I was asleep, and I was startled. I heard it. The bunk bed fell over, and I thought Jesus was coming back right that moment. I I was, I I literally, I was like, you know, I jumped up and thought, Jesus has returned. But as time has progressed, the conviction of Christ's return has kind of began to to leave me. It's left me. I don't think about Jesus coming back that often anymore. And I think there's a part of me that wants to regain what I used to have as a kid because when I read through Scripture, it's clear that everyone was saying, Jesus is coming soon and we have no idea when. Ironically, In my life, Christ's imminent arrival is closer than ever. In my life, Christ's imminent arrival is closer than ever. And I think about those people 2,000 years ago who were writing that Jesus is coming soon. And when I look at at the span of time, isn't it interesting that they are now in the presence of their Lord in this timeless place we call heaven? So for them, Jesus was indeed coming soon. And in my life, Jesus is coming soon. I don't know if that means him coming in on the clouds at the day of judgment like we talk about in scripture, or if that means just because life is so short, Jesus is coming soon. But here's what I know. It's not too long, and I'm going to meet Jesus. And I think that's true of all of us. You know, the countdown has begun. The countdown has begun, and the question is do we realize that Jesus is coming soon? Now, in these alien movies, I want to say this that it's important that they have a countdown because they need to remember they're not on vacation. They're not here to just have fun and just kind of enjoy the earth, you know, just here to enjoy Earth, enjoy its resources. They actually have a purpose and have a mission. You know, the aliens, if you remember in Independence Day, as the countdown begins, they have to start engaging. And so they drop this blue light down and they begin the process of preparing for what happens when the clock hits zero. Because when the clock hits zero, people are going to be, you know, what's going to happen next? And the aliens have to engage in their purpose and in their mission. And guys, i got to tell you, when we see the clock counting down, we have to engage as well. When we realize the clock is counting down, we're going to have to engage as well. Do I truly believe that Jesus is coming soon? And if I did, what changes would it make in my life? Well, Peter's going to say there's three ways to engage so we're ready three ways that we're going to engage so that we're ready when jesus returns the first thing peter says is going to be found in verse seven so let's read together first peter four verse seven the end of all things is at hand therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers the end of all things is at hand therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the, for the sake of your prayers. The first thing he says is engage your mind so that you can pray. Engage your mind so that you can pray. The way I'd put this is get your mind in the game. If you see the countdown coming, maybe it's time to get your mind in the game. What are we doing here? What's the purpose of this life? i got to tell you, for an alien, it's very different than it is for the rest of the world. It's time to get our minds in the game. You know, from the alien point of view, if you imagine life from the alien point of view, here's the alien and he's looking down at the earth from his point of view. From his point of view, wouldn't you say this world has lost its mind? Wouldn't you say, I mean, it seems like from the alien perspective, this world has lost its mind. And when we look at this passage of scripture, it's interesting because in the Greek, what it literally is saying is this preserve your sanity and sobriety. Preserve your sanity and sobriety. And I gotta tell you, in no, I, I just can't imagine there's been another time in history where preserving your sanity and sobriety would have been as important as it is right now. As a Christian, preserve your sanity and sobriety. And I don't know any way to do that better than going to God's Word. God's Word is how we preserve our sanity and sobriety. The problem is, we have so many other options and alternatives. And so we find ourselves looking through other filters at life. We go to to sources that, that take our sanity and take our sobriety. And we look through them, and our minds don't become sane and sober, but they become corrupted and eroded. I remember as a kid, you know, being told, Chris, you know, you don't want to go to this news source for for your news. You want to go over here to this news source because this is better. This is better. Guys, God is saying, get back to me. Draw back into me. God is the filter by which we look at the world. Not not all the messages of the world. You say, well, there's some messages that are better than others. That's true. That's true. But they're still of the world. But some messages sound better. That's right. But they're still of the world. God says, draw into me. Come to me and turn to me for the sake of your mind. And here's what Jesus says will happen. or Excuse me, here's what Peter says will happen if we do this. If we do this, our communication line with God will remain open. He says, do this Get your mind focused and preserved so that your prayers work. So the communication lines with me are open, says God. Marty and I were talking and he said, you know, isn't it interesting the clear correlation that exists, the clear correlation that exists between our prayer life and our hearts and our minds. And when our minds are focused on God, there's a clear correlation with the way we pray. I mean, even knowing what to pray for. And so God draws us back. Our prayers can stay centered with God when our hearts and our minds are centered on God. And so God reminds us in the passage the countdown has begun. The countdown's begun. Is your mind in the right place? But then he goes on, 1 Peter chapter 4. The end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Second thing he says is engage your heart. Engage your heart. Don't just engage your mind, but engage your heart. And here's why he says to do it, so so that your sins are covered. Once again, from an alien point of view, looking at this world, what would an alien think of the human heart? If an alien were to look at America, if an alien were to look at our world, what would an alien think of our human hearts? I gotta tell you, as I was looking for these graphics of, of conflict in the world, I had a really hard time because as I was going through them, so many pictures of these graphics had signs and had flags. And it occurred to me, if I post that picture, half the audience is going to feel one way and half the other way. And if I post this picture, half the audience is going to feel this way and, and opposed to that way. And it just dawned on me how sad that is. And the reason it's sad is because we get wrapped up in this stuff. We get so wrapped up in it when we forget the kind of heart that God has called us to have. If we were to look at the Greek word here, the Greek word would be stretch your agape to the max. Agape is self-sacrificial love. And the word would be stretch your agape to the max. How do you stretch your love for others? How do you show your love for others? Can we stretch that love to the max? When I'm interacting with those who are hurting, can I stretch that love to the max? When I'm talking to somebody I don't get along with socially, politically, emotionally, theologically, how do I stretch that love to the max? How do I be self-sacrificed in those relationships? Are we just slack in our love? Can we stretch it to the max? Here's what scripture says, when you do that, it covers a multitude of sins. I love that. When you stretch yourself to the max, it keeps our hearts clean. It keeps our hearts clean. I want you to think about this for just a second. The world had a heart problem, didn't it? The world had a heart problem. And so God gave the world law. Remember this? He gave the world law. And what did that result in? I mean, a lot of law breaking, right? Right? But God saw that He needed to give us something greater to cleanse ourselves, to heal, to find healing. And so He gave His only Son, and in place of law, He gave us what? The love of God. The love of God. And He showed us through that that the love of God could heal our sins greater than law. Can I tell you that's still the case? When we think about guns and gun violence, right? We often turn to law. You know what's great? You know what's greater than law? Love. Stretching ourselves for God. When we think about the sanctity of life, we turn to law. But greater than law is love. If we bring love into our relationships, if we care about people, we invest in lives, we invest in relationships, those things are going to be greater than even law. And so God reminds us the answer to all these problems can be found in that agape love. Stretch your agape love to the max, God is saying through Peter. The reason why? Because the countdown continues. The countdown continues, and it's getting closer and closer. And so stretch out that love to the max. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 4. He goes on in verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. I want you to see here, receive the gift and speaks and serves and in everything. He's saying, look, no matter what kind of strength that you bring, I want you to bring the strength of God. In fact, I noticed that at the very end, it it goes in and it says, uh, notice what it says, gifts as good stewards of God's grace or gift that whoever speaks is one speaking the oracles of God in other words it goes back to God the gifts go back to God the the words go back to God and then at the very end he says and whoever serves serve with the strength of God so that God might be glorified in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ He's saying this essentially, engage his strength. Engage his strength so that God may be glorified. When aliens look at this hostile world that we have here, and they see the hostility going on in this hostile world, there's no way we have the power to fight back on our own. So what does God call us to do? To engage His strength. To channel the strength of Him who can calm storms. Channel the strength of Him who can calm storms. How do we be like Him? How do we love like Him? In giving grace. Showing grace and and love towards others. In our service to others in showing acts of kindness and service and in our words, that our words would be the very words of God. Why do we do it? So that God might be glorified. So that he might be glorified in all we do. I got to tell you, this is a challenging sermon for me. It's challenging to think about that clock that is now clicking down. The time is running out and as it does, we've been called to something greater than ourselves. And when I process through that, there's a part of me that thinks I need to get back to that young Chris who truly believed that Jesus was coming soon. Do I need to tap into that young boy and remember what he believed and and trust that that God keeps his promises and when he says he's coming soon he is indeed coming soon and as such I'm gonna re-engage I'm gonna remember my purpose I've got to be ready because Jesus is coming back so I re-engage regarding my mind I gotta give my mind focused on him because that's gonna bless me in communication with God in my prayers. And I've got to get my heart focused on him so that my walk with him and my sins might be taken away. I mean, as he's calling me to give my heart to him, he's not only cleansing me of sin, but he's also helping the world around me. And finally, he calls me to that strength, that strength of trusting him, of giving my all to him, whether that be my gifts or whether that be my acts of service or even my words, every component of me giving every single piece of myself to God and the question is this what would happen if I did well the answer is that I would be ready when that clock hits when it prepares for zero because here's the thing Jesus is coming soon if you need anything from this body won't you stand now as we come now as we stand and as we sing together